0: You could be at the fair, but uh, that would literally make you a fair-weather Christian, wouldn't it? So, uh, ba ching, that was a high, not a low, so it's good to be in church. You know, um, we've, I feel like I've been around the world, you know, there's a song in Australia, I've been around the world a couple of times or maybe more, I've seen the sights, I've had delights on every foreign shore, but um, it ends with the place that I adore is right here at home, and uh, every time that Lauren and I go away, every July, we come back and we're like, man, we pastor the greatest church in the universe, and I mean that not like like we're so good, but there's just something about the presence of God at Eternity Church, and I know you can say, well, this is God's God everywhere, and there's 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 differences what God is doing in some places versus other places, and in And in a lot of respects, that's because of the heart and the attitude of the people in those places. And I really do believe that the reason it's really sweet in the presence of God is really sweet at Eternity Church and that we see so many lives saved, our souls saved, lives transformed. And uh, when you come to church and sometimes hear a hard word or an uplifting word, whatever it is, you're going to leave better and uh, encouraged. And, And I think a lot of that is because... I think at Eternity Church, people come here wanting more of whatever God wants us to have more of, rather than coming to church and we're like, God, I want you to do this, you know, or people that are like, I'll give God my life if it's ABC. I'll give, I'll serve you, Lord, so long as I can have this and still do that. And, but I think here we all still mess up and we all still make mistakes and none of us are perfect, right? And, um, but, but in our hearts, it's like, Lord, we just want you. We know you're real. You are real. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth, and I want to know you. And I want to line my life up with your plans and your ways and your word. God, I want to live for you. in that environment, there's just no limit to what God can do in the heart of a humble and willing life, amen? It's so good to be in church, and so every time we come back after vacation, we're just reminded that it's not the same everywhere, and the moment we start coming to God and telling Him how He has to move is the moment it won't be like that here anymore, amen? We just, God, we just want what You want for us. God, we want to do what you want us to do. Amen. We want to live how you want us to live. Can I get an amen? Does anyone at eternity agree with that? Say amen. You know, um, now I know uh, many of you are probably right now looking at me saying, wow, he has a great tan. Yep, I know. I know. I know. We went to Arizona for four weeks nearly, three and a half weeks. We were actually supposed to come back earlier and preach last weekend, but one of us, nah, not me, but one of our family was in hospital for two days, and so it sort of delayed things a little bit, and Pastor Rob preached a great word last weekend, Then, not he? Come on, give it up for Pastor Rob. So... But no, we spend, um, we spend you know, a few weeks, uh, three or four weeks, just do all of our vacation at once every year. It's cheaper that way, so we like that. Um, you don't have to travel twice, but, uh, but also we like going to Arizona and uh, people think we're crazy. Every time you're in Arizona and you're from, you know, you're a northerner, which apparently I am now. I'm like, I'm from the deep, deep south, but they call me a northerner because I live here with you. And uh, whenever you're there, Arizonans are like, why are you here? And at first you're like a little like insulted, like, why why do you hate me, you know? But what they're really asking is, it's July, no one wants to be here in July, why are you here? And we're like, we're here because it's 118 degrees and that's what we want, right? We love it hot, because what we discovered when we moved to America, it feels weird with this beautiful spiritual music going, well, I'm talking nothing about the Lord right now, but anyway, maybe change it to something else. There we go, and um, so we go down there. People are like, why do you go to July? And it's it's this. See, in Australia, it is sunny nearly every day of the year, where I'm from, right? So I had a gorgeous tan all year long, right, Lauren? Sure, yeah. And uh, so we're always tan, and then we move here, and the sun doesn't shine for like five months of the year. And so at the end of every winter, us white boys glow in the dark. <laughs> it's like we've ra- got radiation in us or something. And so every summer, I just go and reset that, take our whole family down there, and we try to come back just a little bit darker. Just a little bit. So if you're wondering, no one cares, but if you're wondering why we were gone for so long, that, that's why, so we just, we just wanted to get our tans back. But no, it is good to be back. Arizona was hot the news was telling you all that everybody was dying on the streets in Arizona I was there I don't know what they were looking at but I didn't see anybody dying on the sidewalks from heat exhaustion in Arizona it's hot every year so but it is good to be back in Iowa Um, this weekend though I'm preaching a message from Genesis chapter 19 and I was like man week one back from vacation I haven't preached for four weeks and week one God's nuking and Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm like, fantastic. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to nuke Sodom today. So, you know, um, but anyway, um, we're going to go through the Scriptures. We're not going to focus as much on that uh, today. And the reason for that, that we're not going to focus on, as much on uh, the sins specifically of Sodom and Gomorrah is, A, it's a little uh, portion of the passage, but... Um, But also, uh, we've recently spoken on things like marriage and homosexuality uh, in the last few months, and we don't wanna flog a dead horse, or as you say in America, um, beat a dead horse, or as uh, the people uh, against eating animals would say, feed a fed horse, right? Uh, We don't wanna do that today. Uh, We just, so we, I think 95% of us in the room know where we stand on that, Uh, but to be clear, where does Eternity Church stand? Um, at eternity will only affirm a marriage that's between a natural born man and a natural born woman to the exclusion of all others but more importantly than what we support and what we affirm is that if you want a marriage uh, and or a sex life that's blessed by the creator of the universe he will only bless uh, that if it's between a man and a woman a marriage that's between a man and a woman uh, and aligning with his design and purposes and we we love you, and uh, we only tell you that because we want God's best for your life. And so we'll always endeavor to tell you the truth, so that you can experience the incredible favor and blessing of God poured out on your life and on your marriage. Amen. And so. Um, but that's where Eternity Church stands. But today we're going to go and we're going to look more at Lot, who's the main character of Genesis chapter 19. So if you can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19, uh, I'm going to start reading that in just a moment. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 5. I just want to say welcome to all the new people as well, by the way. Uh, some of you have maybe been coming for four weeks, um, and you thought Pastor Rob was the pastor uh, and had decided to make this your church home and now you're not so sure, um, that's okay. Um, Rob's a great guy. So, uh, but anyway, no, my name's Jesse. I'm the lead pastor. Here's my wife Lauren over here. Um, and we love you and we're glad you're here. We've got a free gift for you after the service out there in the lobby also high in Audubon and Old Wine. It's good to be back. Can't wait to see you guys soon as well. Oh, and I do need to also say we have a back to school worship night tonight right here at 6 p.m. So mums and dads, uh, caretakers, uh, teachers and students, we want you all here tonight at 6 p.m. We're going to pray for you. We're going to anoint you with oil as you, yeah, as you are commissioned to go uh, into the world and win the lost. Amen. And uh, not everybody can go to a Christian school. Not everybody can homeschool. Not everybody's situation, finances or environment uh, would align for that to happen. Uh, uh, but I do believe that, um, especially as you listen to today's message, that you can, uh, you can really serve the Lord where you are. And we want to pray for you. Uh, tonight at 6pm. We're going to have a worship and prayer night. So God bless you. You got there, Genesis 19? All right. My introductions aren't always this long. I just got back from vacation. My sermon's going to be long though, so prepare for that. Verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom. Now we know it was the Lord, uh, uh, the angels of the Lord uh, and they were speaking with Abram, Earl, Abraham just earlier, if you remember in past chapters, uh, and now they're heading to Sodom after they've told Abraham what's about to happen. It says, and Lot was sitting at the gate, uh, sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up and go early on your way. Um, and they said, "No, we're going to spend the night in the town square." But Lot pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. Um, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. In verse four, uh, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called out to Lot, <coughs> "Excuse me, uh, where are the men who came with you?" Uh, bring them out to us that we may do nasty things to them. Nasty things to them. Um, I don't know if you've read all of Genesis chapter 19, but this is a nasty chapter. Like there's some nasty stuff going on in this chapter, uh, and we're going to learn from it today. So if you came to church today to hear from God, not just some vacationing, mediocre tanned Australian. Uh, If you'd like to hear from God, would you lift up your hands? We're gonna pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege and opportunity it is to come to your house, to sit under your word, to to lift our hands in your presence, to sing and to worship, to be encouraged, Lord God, to be inspired, God. It's so good. God, we know that this chapter that we're looking at today isn't the ideal welcome back from vacation chapter in man's eyes. God, but we know that you have a plan to use this chapter today to do something great in every single one of our lives. That there's not one person in this room that you don't plan to minister to and to speak to through Genesis chapter 19, this morning at Eternity Church. So we offer up this remaining time, Lord, and just say, have your way. Do what you want to do in us and through us. And all around us we pray in Jesus' name. Could someone say amen? Amen. <clears throat> amen. High five one of your neighbors. You may take your seats. We're going to get to it now. <clears throat> I was supposed to say as well if we could put that barcode back up, guys. I was supposed to say as well, actually, that um, there it is in there it is um, that if you want a fuller, deeper, more, um, I, I guess, a better understanding of why our church believes what we believe about marriage, um, this barcode. If you just scan that on your phone. Uh, that'll take you right there. I'd appreciate it if you listened to it after church, not during church. And uh, But that is a, that's a sermon we preached um, about 18 months ago that'll dig in a bit deeper. Greek, Hebrew, destroy all the arguments against it. And that's just a quote, uh, Paul, destroy lofty arguments, but also show you why we believe what we believe and how that's good for you. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're digging in on Lot today. When I read Genesis chapter 19, and honestly, when I re- read about Lot in general, uh, I usually find myself asking God, you know, just why? You know, God, why? You know, not why did Sodom happen? I get it. I've read it. Uh, uh, you know, I understand he's a holy God and that, and warnings and whatever else. But, but not that, but God, why did you save Lot? You ever think that? Like, God, why did you save Lot? Like, did you read the story with me? Lot does everything wrong, absolutely everything. All the way, if you've read Genesis chapter 19 all the way through to to, to verse 38, it's like he couldn't do a single thing right with his life. And so, I'm like, God, why did you save that guy but not everybody else? So, I want to unpack that for you a little bit today. We're going to rewind just a few chapters for a moment. Lot and Abraham separate. Why did they separate? Well, both of them uh, had run somewhat successful cattle companies, I guess we could call it. And, um, and then their, their herdsmen and their households were getting big and their, their cattle were, were getting numerous and there wasn't enough space for them. And Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen were starting to fight and argue a little bit. And so Abraham's like, look, we need to separate. You know, you go wherever you want to go and I'll just go where you don't go, right? Uh, then Lot um, chooses... To go the ways of the world. This is even before chapter nineteen. Uh, he chooses to go where the people are, but <coughs> excuse me, not just any people, but a very specific people. Lot goes to where there's a people who are so wicked that they have a reputation for perversion, for murder, for robbery, for muggery, for buggery, and every other kind of evil that you can imagine. Those are the people that Lot is attracted to. That's the place that Lot chooses to go. Now, Lot seems to have this insatiable desire for the ways of the world and for the people of the world. And the whole city that Lot goes to is called Sodom. The whole city ends up embroiled in this kind of inter city, inter kingdom kind of wars that were going on. And the whole city, including Lot, they get carted away and enslaved uh, almost. And, and then what happens is Lot's uncle, Uncle Abraham, comes to the rescue and brings Lot and all the other townspeople back to Sodom, all right, and then however many years pass, and then chapter 19 begins, and that's where we find Lot then sitting in the city gates. Now, the city gates isn't just like, hey, welcome to the gate of the city, Um, the city gate would be more like, probably more authority, but similar when someone says, I'm going to give you the key to the city. You heard that before? <clears throat> They're given the key to the city. All right, but in this case, it would usually be like a city councillor, uh, a magistrate, judges, city officials, things like that would be. In the city gate. So if Lot isn't at the city gate but is sitting in the city gate, he's in a room that is within the gates of the city where the rulers and the most influential people in that city sit. So Lot has found himself in a position of great influence in Sodom. Lot, maybe it was some kind of reward that Uncle Abraham rescued everybody, and so they're all like, well, that guy's amazing, let's have his nephew on the board of our organization, right? And uh, so Lot has a significant amount of influence in the city of Sodom. Uh, Sodom, sorry. He's got a lot of power, Um, he sits in the city gate. And yet all that power and yet all that glory and all that influence that Lot had accomplished exactly nothing for the kingdom of God. Nothing. Didn't do a jolly thing in the city for the kingdom of God. Didn't do anything. Outside of Lot, who by the way, I would give a solid maybe for his faith in God, right? Um, Outside of Lot, there wasn't one single righteous person in that whole city, not one, zero. In a city that Lot has had many years of influence in, in a city that Lot sits in the city gate, he has done nothing with all that influence. If Lot were a judge, how has he been judging that not one person's life has been made better? If Lot was a lawmaker, what laws was he passing that not one life in the city was more righteous? If Lot was an influencer, oh how he squandered the influence, every single little piece of influence that he had been given. Not one soul, not one righteous person, and every single one of them. It said there, right, everyone down to the last man wanted to do nasty things to the men in Lot's house. They wanted to do it, every one of them, not one righteous person. What has Lot been doing with all this time? What has Lot been doing with all this influence, with all this power, with all this authority? See, the thing is, Lot was living in positions that could have effected great change in Sodom and in Gomorrah even, uh, and done great work for the kingdom of God. But Lot used all of it Just to enrich himself or to enjoy himself or to fall more and more in love with the ways of the world. And you know, Lot's life didn't seem to be about character but about reputation. It didn't seem to be about integrity but about social status and what he could get out of it. And with his influence, I feel like he was just trying to get more friends or with his power, it seems like he was just trying to glorify himself or with his authority, it seems like he was just trying to use his authority to maintain his authority. And I feel like that happens a lot these days too, doesn't it, right? We, we, we give someone a position of authority because we want them to accomplish A, B, C, or D, and, and then instead of doing A, B, C, or D, they, they, they use the authority that we've trusted them with just to make sure that they can maintain that authority, Right? They get elected into a position to accomplish A, B, C, or D, and then instead of doing any of the things they were elected for, they use all that time and all that energy and all that authority to make sure they can get elected again. You know what I'm talking about, right? Just, I'm going to use what I've got so that I can keep what I've got. Do nothing. Living on election cycle to election cycle. <clears throat> it feels like or appears like, Lot did nothing that he could have done for the Lord. All things work together for the. Lot, Lot, Lot could have used that position to do good things for the kingdom of God to save an entire city. If he just saved ten people, the whole city would have survived. But Lot did nothing. He wasted his life. He wasted his influence. Desperate for friendship and social status and whatever else. Now, I'm not the judge, all right? And and, uh, let let me step back for a moment. I don't get to judge someone's salvation. But it is hard to imagine Lot rolling up to the pearly gates and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Is that just me who feels that way or the rest of you too nervous to say so? It's probably a good thing. It seemed like Lot just wanted the status. Let me read to you a little bit more from verse six. From verse six through to verse eight, it says, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, <coughs> that's, of his house, he shut the door after him, and he said, I beg of you, my brothers. Do not act so wickedly. I beg of you, my brothers. Lot had family. Family rescued the whole city, however long ago it was Abraham. Here we find Lot in the most wicked place on earth, and they're his brothers. That right there that Lot would call them brothers is a significant window into the motivations of Lot's heart. That he wants to be brothers. Jesus, even when people are like, Your brothers are here, he's like, Who are my brothers? Nobody but those who do the will of my father. Even Jesus wasn't willing to call Sodom his bros, right? Like, and Lot just seems to live for this desire to be accepted and to be integrated and to be bros with the people of the world. It gets worse. He goes on and says, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me throw them out to you. It's not what he says, it's how I interpret it. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under my roof. I told you it's a nasty chapter, and it gets crazier later on, FYI. We'll get there in a few moments. But Lot is so obsessed with his social status, he would rather sacrifice his family and uphold some social norm in the city. Let me play it out for you. Here's how that works. In the ancient East, it was incredibly important that a host take care of the well-being of his guests. One of the most important roles you will have if if you are the host, if you are if, if someone comes under your roof, everything that happens to them is as a traveler, as a sojourner, whoever it is, everything that happens to them is your responsibility and is on your head and affects your status, your social cred in not just your city, but in all the cities and the whole region around you. Let it be known that if you go to Lot's house, his travelers will be protected. Let it be known if you go to Lot's house, you will find trouble. Don't go there, right? It's a very, very important part of your social status. So what Lot does some mathematics and somehow has decided that the lesser of two evils is that he would send his daughters out there to be pillaged by a a bunch of ravaging nasty men in the city rather than to send these two men out who are travellers. What's the difference between the two? Why them? Why the girls and not the men? Well, see if the something happens to the girls. A crime has been committed on his family. That's how it would have been viewed in the whole region. A crime has been committed on his family. That's not your fault. People did that to you, but you've got a traveler in your house and something happens to the traveler. No, no, now it's on your head and that's going to affect your status in the community. And so what Lot does, rather than protect his daughters and say, you ain't touching anybody in here, my family or my guests, Lot says, you know what? If I give them the girls, they might leave us alone, but my status will remain intact. And he chose his status over the well being of his family. My brothers, my brothers. Lot was desperate for the affirmation and the friendship of the world. I think it's important for us to remind ourselves sometimes what's most important to us friendship with the world or friendship with the Lord because you have to pick between the two. You don't get to be both. You, 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 you can be in the world, but not of the world. You can be in the world and of the world, but you can't be both. You gotta pick, am I a friend of the Lord or a friend of the world? James 4 says, do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. That is that if in your life, Your greatest desires is to be friends of the world. You will compromise yourself and make yourself an enemy of God. You will. It's what will happen. He's not saying that you can't be friends with your next door neighbor. Friends of the world isn't really an individual sentence as much as the ways of the world and the people of the world and living to please the people of the world. But all this desire of lots was to be brothers with the world. All this wasted influence, all this wasted power, and nothing good came from it. As you read the rest of Genesis 19, you'll see that nobody respected Lot. No one's life was made better by Lot's position, power or authority. Um, Perhaps there's something outside of Scripture that we didn't see, but from what we can see, The kingdom of God wasn't advanced because Lot was born. Lot did nothing for the kingdom of God and nobody respected Lot. Watch this. We're going to go to um, uh, verse 12 and 13 and then to 14 uh, as well. It says, Then the men, that would be the angels of the Lord, as it was saying earlier, said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone That you have in the city. Bring them out of the place, for we're about to destroy this place. Okay? So Lot's like, well, yeah, I got some sons in laws or future sons in laws. My daughters are betrothed to marry these men here. Um, So he goes to them and says in verse 14 So Lot went out and said to his sons in laws who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for God is about to destroy the city. But he seemed To his sons in laws to be joking. He seemed to his sons in laws to be joking. Nobody listens to Lot. Nobody respects Lot. Lot has wasted his life. In a life or death situation where it's listen to Lot or burn, nobody listens. To Lot. What is your personality where God's about to rain sulfur down on the city and you're talking to somebody telling them, no, for reals, we got to get out of here. And they're like, okay. And they stay there. So they stay behind and they die. They're all told, hey, y'all, don't look back. Escape, go to the mountains. And Lot's wife's like, yeah, but looks back, and she dies. They're told to go to the mountains, and Lot's like, you know, they're a long way away. And there's a little town right here, just a little city. Can I just go to this city instead? It's just a little one. That's literally what he says. He's like, it's just a little one. Like, well, it's little, so it's probably not ungodly until Lot gets there, right? until his family does what his family does, and we'll get there later. But like, it's crazy, right? So so, so Lot is told to go to the mountain. People always preach sermons, and they say, be like Lot, don't be like his wife. Why do they say that? Because Lot's wife looked back. And so you see all these sermons, and they're like, when God tells you to go, don't look back. Go forward. Be like Lot, not like his wife. And I'm like, Don't be like either of them. Like, don't look back, but don't argue with God and be like, I know you said over there, but this is all right, yeah? Like, can we, you know, like, it's a long way. Like, I don't think you know how old my legs are. No, God knew that you're an old man, Lot, and he said, "Go to the mountains because you could get to the mountains." But you're 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 arguing, or you're debating, or you're or you're you're questioning God's instructions. I wonder. See, I wonder. Now, now, mind you, the angel of the Lord's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever," you know. And um, but I wonder if 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 Lot's daughters actually finally saw Lot do what he was told, if perhaps they would have acted a little bit more godly at the end of the chapter. I wonder if, for just once they would see Lot say, yes, Lord. You said mountains, I'm going to the mountains. Yes, Lord, you said give it all up, I'm giving it all up. Yes, Lord, you said go, I'm going to go. I wonder if just once they got to see their father say, yes, Lord, if perhaps they might have behaved more godly. But instead all they've seen is a man that nobody likes and nobody respects and nobody listens to, Behave the same way when God speaks. Ah, well, just here, just this little one. Nobody respects Lot. At the end of the chapter, in verses 30 to 38, there is one more filthy encounter with Lot and his two daughters. It's nasty, it's filthy, it's disgusting. Lot's daughters are horrible. No one's life is better because of Lot. No one's more righteous because of his influence. Lot did nothing for the kingdom of God because all he cared about was being bros, having a laugh, being a bit of a larrikin, enjoying the glory of influence without a thought to the responsibility of the influence. And I wonder if in like a couple of hundred years if somebody might look at our lives and read about it like we're able to look at Lot's life and read about it, would they say, look at the souls saved because they lived for the Lord? Look at the kingdom influence that they left behind. Will someone tell a story of how their family loves the Lord and lives for the Lord because of something one of us did with the life that God gave us? Will they look at the way that we used our influence to change the city? Will they say that, you stood up when the world sat down, that you spoke up when the world got weird, that you preached the truth when the world loved myths. Well, they talk about how you loved righteousness when the world loved wickedness. Well, they start talking about Iowa and say, you know how Iowa is known as a place that loves and honors the Lord and has great corn too? That's because they didn't waste their life. They didn't squander the position and the influence and the lives that God gave them. Or will they read about us like Lot and be like, God, why did you even bother with them? Lord, why did you give influence to Jesse? Why did you put Lauren in the city gates? Why did you give influence to Paul? Why did you elevate Steph? Why did you do that with them, Lord? All they did was enjoy the fruits of of the influence, enjoyed all the glory, but never gave any glory to God. Well, they talk about your workplace and say, <clears throat> they work. They went to work, they checked in, they, they, that's that thing. You guys have those time card things in America? You stuff it in there and it goes... Shung. I haven't had like a real check-in, check-out job for a long time, obviously. But last time I had one, that's how we got to work. They checked in on time every day, checked out on time every day, went home and everybody went to hell. Well, they talk about your cul-de-sac and be like, oh yeah, they had a... Great time. Everyone in the cul-de-sac enjoyed a laugh with them, would sit out the front, leaning on their fence, drinking a beer, but everybody went to hell. Everyone in the cul-de-sac knew them, but didn't do anything with it. Oh yeah, they lived in that apartment building for 20 years. For 20 years, they... Walked in, pushed the elevator button, went upstairs. And then they went into their apartment. And they, 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 they walked out, pushed the elevator button, went downstairs, got in their car and left. They did that for 20 years. They never told anybody about the Lord. They never told anybody about salvation. They never told anybody that there's a better way to live. And everybody else just went to hell. They look at your kids and your family and say none of them are serving the Lord. If God were to come to your city today... looking for one soul, for one reason not to burn the city to the ground, would he find that your being here actually did anything? Or would he just be like, all right, Jesse, get out. I'm going to burn it down. I know he ain't going to do that. Relax. All right, relax. But the question is, has your being here done anything for the kingdom? Anything, at all. As you look at your workplace, your street, your family, your apartment complex, I'm not asking does anyone know that you love them, I'm asking is anybody living a better life, a more righteous life because you were born? Have they at least been given the opportunity? Does anybody at least worry a little bit that if what you believe is true that they're in trouble? Right? Obviously you can't make someone give their life to the Lord, you can... Lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I know I've heard the cliche, and it's true for salvation too, but have you ever presented somebody with the possibility that they may actually need to make a choice whether to drink or not? Has anybody heard a word from the Lord? Have you prayed for anybody? What are we doing with our lives? Are we really living for the cause, or do we just sing songs about it? Every victory is yours so long as it makes me and my life and my status and my cred better. Or is it really about him and the kingdom and the way the world's supposed to be? Man, I hope there are a bunch of people that know me whose lives are transformed for the glory of God because I lived a kingdom first life. I hope there are heaps of people online or or on social media or in my cul-de-sac that are just at least a little bit scared that if Jesse's right, I'm in trouble. I hope so. I hope at your workplace that there's at least a few people that are like, oh, if Josh is right, at least a little bit nervous that you might be right. There's no point having a growing influence if it does nothing at all for the kingdom of God. Nothing at all. What are we doing with what we've got? There's nothing wrong with a great house. Are you using it for the kingdom? That's it. Have a great house. I've got a nice house. Use it for the kingdom of God. Amen? Have you got a great car? Nothing wrong with a great car. There's something wrong with your great car. If because you've got a nice fancy car, all of a sudden you won't stop and pick up the dirty, filthy, stinky homeless guy that's just been beaten on the side of the road and needs to get to hospital right now, but you're like, oh, but my leather. Well, now you have a problem nothing wrong with all this nice stuff nothing wrong with a big bank account balance nothing wrong with having a lot of friends but what are you doing with what God has given you or is it just all about making sure you get to keep what God has given you or are you using it for the kingdom of God at work do you actually pray for your friends or for your workmates do you pray for them I know tons of business owners and tons of employees here and tons of employees who, who, when people are sick at their work, they pray for them. Who, when people are, are going through a hard time, they pray for them. What are you doing? Do you invite them to church? Do you tell them there's hope? Do they know that Jesus lives? Have they heard you say so? Do they know there's a better way? Have you told them God's a healer? Have they heard about His love? Have they heard about His judgment? Have they heard anything about God from you? <clears throat> is the world better in God's eyes because you were born? Now, we can evaluate it through our own eyes and be like, yeah, it's better because I'm doing... No, no, no. If, if God is looking at the world outside of the joy and the wonder that you are to God because you are an absolute blessing to the Lord. For the joy set before me, I endure the cross, right? Got it, right? So you're wonderful. Outside of you, existing and God loves you and you're his kid is the world better because you were born in God's eyes. If the answer is no, you can make a change today. The weekend's coming to a close. Monday's tomorrow. You can make a change today. The call of God on your life is not only to be on earth but to do His will on earth. Amen. See, um, you have a job and that's great. But that job was not only so you can feed your family. Absolutely it's that because God will provide for you. That job was not only to enrich you. Absolutely God has that plan for you. But that's not only it. It was also that you might have an impact for the kingdom of God, that you might do something for the kingdom, that somebody's soul might be saved, life transformed, body healed, marriage, that that you would have an impact for the kingdom of God. You might be like, well, not where I work. We're not allowed to talk about God. Can I encourage you to do it anyway? Number one, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added unto you, right? Like primarily, let's just do what our Father sent us to do. Can I get an amen, right? Yes. Well, not at my workplace, I get fired. All right, listen, let's play this out. This is America. Okay? Now, in China, they're going to do it anyway. But, but over here, there are certain protections... And I have seen over the last couple of years where somebody's like, well, I'm gonna do the right thing and they get fired. And it's amazing how suddenly they end up in court and everything works out together in the end. Sometimes you might say, you know what? They might say, I can't talk to people. I can't invite people to church. I can't pray for people. Although I've never ever heard that being an actual policy. But if it was, what you would do is you would go in there and you would invite people to church and you would pray for people and you would get fired and and, and then there would be a court case and suddenly all these other things were added to you also. It's a little quicker than we were planning. I'm just saying, you're not only where you are to enrich your life. You're not only where you are to uh, feed your family. Everything God's given you is for you and for his kingdom. That you might do something for the kingdom of God. It wouldn't be like Lot, can I get an amen? You know, so far you might look at your life and be like, man, nobody respects me. And you might feel like, you know, if if I was to tell my wife, Don't look back. She'd be like, what, over there? (laughs) You're like, man, nobody respects me. My daughters are filthy. I hope nobody in here has daughters like Lot's daughters. My sons don't respect me. No one in the city respects me. And some people do genuinely feel like that. And that's not how God wants you to live. Now, there may be some healing that's required, There's probably going to be some behaviors that need to change, because usually if no one in the entire world respects you, usually that's a you problem, not to be mean, but usually. Not always, I'll give you an out, but there's very possibly some things in your life that are going to need to change so that that can change, okay? And so today we're going to pray for you. We're going to open the front for prayer for a lot of people, and the cool thing about that is you can kind of sneak in with them, and no one will know why you're down here getting prayer, all right? It's kind of like when the pastor says, anybody been looking at porn? Everyone's like, I can't come down. But then you go, anybody alive? Come to the front. And that person's like, all right, I can join them, you know, get some prayer, you know. Today I want to make sure that no matter where your life's at, you can have the freedom to come down and get prayer today. But I do want you to know that if you feel like nobody in the world respects you, there's a solid chance some things are going to need to change in your life, and the Lord's going to give you wisdom when you get down here. Gonna give you wisdom. I've never seen anybody in Scripture ask for wisdom and ask God, "How do I need to live?" And God not answer, ever, nowhere. You won't find a Scripture where someone's like, "You know what? Give me wisdom over riches." And God's like, "Nah, too bad." (laughs) Nah, the wisdom of the Lord, Amen. The cool thing about the wisdom of the Lord is sometimes it makes it full of what the wisdom of the world says more and more. Actually, lately, wouldn't you agree? And uh, but so come down the front there in a moment. I want you to know that um, it's never too late, because what's fascinating is God actually did save Lot, Lot who did nothing for the kingdom, and God actually did save Lot, and I'm like, God, why did you save Lot? Why? I'll tell you why. Uncle Abraham's why. Uncle Abraham prayed. Never underestimate the power of a praying uncle. Never underestimate the power of a praying auntie, a praying grandpa, a praying Opa, a praying grandma. <clears throat> you know, my grandpa woke up between 5: 30 or 6 every single morning, and he would pray for all the grandkids. I think there was like 23 of us or something like that. There's quite a few. <clears throat> Weekends too. When we stayed at their house, I heard him pray whether it was when I was eight or whether I was 12 or, or 18, any time we stayed at Grandpa's house, we heard him pray. Pray for my brothers and sisters. He'd pray for my stepbrothers too. I heard him pray for my cousins, for Michael, for Paul, for Katie, for Benj, for Marianne, and all the cousins, every single morning. Because Grandpa prayed, there are churches all over the world. There are churches in Japan, churches in India, there's a church in Hong Kong, there's a church in Owain, in Audubon and Des Moines, because grandpa prayed for his grandkids. There are souls being saved all around the world, because grandpa prayed. There are young men in this church, because Uncle Josh prayed. There are grandkids in this room, because grandma prayed. There are brothers in this room, because sisters prayed. There are parents in the room because kids prayed. There are kids in the room because mom or dad or both prayed. Never underestimate the power of a praying uncle, amen, or whatever you are to them. Lot got a second chance or a third or fourth, more likely a 40th chance because uncle Abraham prayed. So you might be here right now and you're like, well, you talk about what? has changed in the world. Is the world better because I was there? Can I encourage you to start with prayer? I believe that the more time you spend with God, the more courage you'll find in your heart. You might find yourself able to open your mouth on your way to the elevator in your apartment building. You might find yourself with the courage to tell someone I'm praying for you when you find out that their family's sick. from there it might go to laying hands on them right there in the smoker room at your office and saying, let's pray right now. But I, I believe it'll all start right now as you pray. Be Uncle Abraham and pray. Be Uncle Abraham for your family, for your street, for your apartment building, for your workplace. Who knows, after... A little or after much prayer, God might give you an opportunity to go and save a city from slavery, like Abraham went after Lot and his friends. But pray. One thing I love about prayer is my prayers won't die with me. The prayers I've prayed for my boys and my girl, they won't die with me. The power that came as I declared the truth of the Word of God over their lives won't die with me but we'll live on we'll influence on and we'll impact them on and on amen be Uncle Abraham and pray a lot of people these days are so scared to send their kids to school they're like oh the school system ah." look I look at the news I read it too and I'm just like what in the world like it's nuts right let's be honest it's nuts right it's crazy we get all fearful and we talk about how hard it is and how scary it is. And oh my gosh, we've got to send my kids to that. But then we, we, we send the kids without praying. I'm like, do you love them or do you just not believe that it's bad? Because it can't be both. Like, which one is it? Like, if your kids, if you're worried about your kids in this world, you need to pray for your kids. Amen. You're like, hey kids, it's real bad at school. It's crazy out there. There's like this demonic agenda in the schools, in the workplace, and government, or in just in the world in general. The ruler of this world has darkened everybody's eyes. Have fun. Or you could pray for them. I pray for my kids on the way to school every single morning. I sold my truck and bought a dad car because the fifth kid's going to school. I still wanted to make sure I get to drive my kids to school and pray for them on the way. My favorite part of the day. Pray. Be Dad. Be Uncle Abraham. Be Grandma who prays. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand up with me? Service will be done in seven minutes. you a great prayer to pray today. Lord, when I go to work tomorrow, I pray that you would give me an opportunity to advance your kingdom in that place. See what happens. I promise you nothing's won't happen. I don't know how to structure that sentence. I promise you something will happen. There we go. <laughs> that was a really difficult moment for me. The um, Lord, I pray that tomorrow as I go, you give me an opportunity to advance your kingdom in my school, in my workplace, in my college, in my cul-de-sac, in my apartment building, in my business, wherever it is. And you will get an opportunity. Hands up if you've seen that's true, right? God answers those prayers, you know? I hear people say, be careful what you pray, you know? You might find yourself in the city gate tomorrow. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? For many of us today, this is just a reminder. Don't waste your life. We go through seasons, don't we? Where we're like, well, maybe I felt like I was... Being really effective I was doing something for the kingdom of God but, but that was back then you know the first person I ever led to the Lord was a girl named Rose in school she hated me well not in the end but did at the start because I was a Christian and surprisingly I wouldn't cuss or anything like that and I was um wouldn't go to the parties wouldn't get drunk with everybody Just wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to honor God with my life. She was always at me and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, one day something bad happened in her family, and her and one other friend and I found ourselves sitting on the front lawn in front of our school, talking to her about how all hope is not lost, and we led her to Christ. That was a good day, advancing the needle, advancing the kingdom of God. I loved it. But that was a long time ago, and God's not done with me now. That was not the last thing he wanted to do through my life. So the question isn't, have you at some point in your life been effective for the kingdom of God? The real question is, are you effective for the kingdom of God now? What are you doing now? Because God's not done with you yet. Oh, you've got your job, but God's got another plan too. Oh, you got your nice house, but God's got another plan too. Oh, you got your apartment in that building. you finally got your own apartment. Praise God, but God's got a plan too. What are you doing now with the life that God has given you? So today there's going to be some people who come down the front because they're like, I have been wasting my whole life. Or I, I was using my life for a period and then I have begun to waste my life. There are just going to be other people who are like, you know what, I just want to come down the front and say, Lord, help me, empower me, strengthen me. God, help me to use what you've given me. I want to be a wise steward, not just of my tithes, but of my life for you, Lord. If that's you, would you walk down the front If you just feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, saying, hey, get down there, let's go. Tomorrow's going to be different. Tomorrow's going to be different. Come on down. I know there's more because the service last night was smaller and had way people down here. Come on down. I'm going to pray for you all in a second. You're saying, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. Lord, I I haven't been, maybe it's I haven't been using my influence at school or my influence at work or my influence at the homeschool pod or my influence wherever it is that you find yourself. And God, now I want to say, God, this life is from you and this life is for you. Come on down if that's you anybody else. I'll give you a little bit longer and I'm going to pray. Awesome. Would you lift up your hands? We're going to pray for you. Lift up your hands. Yeah, come on down. Heavenly Father, we don't want to live a life that's all about us and that when we die, our wealth is dispersed, Our stuff begins to rot and nothing else happens. God, we want to live for eternity. That is... We want our lives to do something for the kingdom of God. God, we wanna live with a mindset of eternity, that something eternal would happen through our lives. God, not so that we could be honored, not so that we could be glorified. We don't care if our name is forgotten, but Lord, that somebody's soul would be saved. and that the trajectory of a family would change and that a body would be healed and that that, that in a hundred years, there'd be somebody saying that if not for Steve, my family would not even be here because Steve saved Bob, who saved Jenny, who saved me. Lord God, that there would be stories of lineages that have been transformed because we decided to live a life that sought first the kingdom of God. God, that we would understand that first and foremost, the job is for the kingdom. That first and foremost, the family is for the kingdom. That first and foremost, the house is for the kingdom. Lord God, speak to us, everybody in the room, God, those of us who have been living a self-first kind of life or, or just living, trying to be morose with the world, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, a shot of adrenaline in our spirits, that we would remember that every good thing in our lives comes from you and that, God, we'd show we're grateful by using it for you, for you and your kingdom. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters down the front, God, for any of them that perhaps just feel tired or weary or even if they feel useless, Lord God, I thank you that there's a story of a young man whose name was useless and then he became useful. God, I pray that no matter where they are right now, that your Holy Spirit would give them a shot in the arm today. God, so that tomorrow, tomorrow we won't be like Lot. God, we will use our lives. you, God, our whole church. Speak to every one of us, Lord God. Help us to use our lives for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purposes. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Someone say amen. Amen, amen. Pastor Connor's gonna come out now. So before y'all leave, just stay down the front for a moment, all right? And our team's gonna come and pray for you as well in a moment just as the service begins to close. But just stick around for just two, three more minutes max. Pastor Connor wants to talk to people here who are away from God and give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ today. Amen. So listen up to Pastor Connor. Uh, Thank you so much. Good to be back. But give the Lord a shout of praise if you just affirm that word in your life. I'm not going to waste my life. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.